So another Friday with this and uh, starting off thankful. Um, but I want to encourage us today. I was, I was praying and uh, about what brings reform in our hearts, what changes us, what truly transforms a person is a force that's greater than the thing that they're living in or struggling with, a force that pushes and opens up or breaks down that which was being held captive. Like, so if you're a prisoner and then the gates are broken and you're freed, it took some force, it took some planning, it takes a revelation to go and establish that, right? So think about it, Where, wherever we're at in life, before Christ, if we don't know God here, we're in essence a slave, we are trapped in a future that is like being in a prison cell. You got no hope. You know, you imagine those guys um, that live in a skid row, right? And it's unbelievable. In fact, actually, there's a, there's a guy, a Swedish guy I met in Dapikol prison. Can you imagine in Dapikol prison, maximum security, a Swedish guy, and he's in there for life. And so when I spoke to him, when we were doing an outreach, he goes, I'm never leaving this place. And he's, he's younger than I am. And I was like, and it took me a second to like, when he said that, he goes, this is, this is it. I am in for life, multiple life sentences for what he'd gone down for. His hope was there was nothing. Shy of like a, a miraculous breakthrough, he's, he's there, right? Or, or something bigger to break through. And I wanna, I wanna quickly, I wanna jump through a couple scriptures this morning, but I wanna start in 2 Kings about a guy called Josiah. In the, in the Old Testament, in 2 Kings chapter 23, I'm not gonna read the whole chapter, I'm just gonna synopsize it because I wanna get into the meat of what I, I wanna talk about this morning for us. So whatever we're battling with today, whatever things maybe you feel is holding you back, there's a power that comes from on high that will set us free. There's a power. Now, Josiah, in, in the book of Kings, it describes about kings that totally went against God's law. They did the opposite of what God had asked them to do. They didn't obey the law, the word of God. Instead, what they did was they started to worship other idols. They started to take on um, the, the clothing or the look of like other nations, other gods. They started to worship them. They started to take on their culture. They started to become bound up in things of the world and not things of God. And the book of Kings is really fascinating. It just describes all these crazy guys. And it basically says in there, and this man, this king displeased God. Next. This guy also did what was evil in the sight of the, of the Lord. Next. And he just goes through these passages. And they wouldn't follow the Lord. Bless you. And so I want to describe today about how this one king, this one guy called Josiah, um, was transformed. And so... In this story here, Josiah goes, they basically find an old scroll, right? Um, as they're rooting through one of the temples. This is the background of this story. Um, and I want to describe about what happens to Josiah. And when, when, this, when this man 
showed Josiah this scroll that they found in the temple and read it to the king, Josiah, he tore his clothes in lament. He was like, oh my goodness. We have, and this was the word of God. He was convicted deep in his heart. There was a power that transformed him and he, he basically was like, oh my goodness. This is why we're living in such disastrous times. We have totally forsaken the law, the word that God had given our ancestors. It's, it's interesting. They said it was lost and then they found it. And then when they read it, it, it did something. It brought repentance. It brought like a light bulb moment. And so this is what Josiah does. Then the king summoned all the elders. This is in chapter 23 of 2 Kings. Summoned all the elders of, Judea, of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets. So he took everyone, right? All the people from the least to the greatest. He, this is the king saying, this is so important. We're going to do an about turn. We're gonna, we're, we were heading down this path of destruction, this hopeless life that we've been living. I've now realized something greater has hit me and I've got to make an about face. He goes, um, there the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. I mean, that in itself, just pause. He said, this is so powerful. I want you to listen. Because he knew that what transformed him what was going to transform his kingdom, his people. He knew the secret, the key, the answer was in the word. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar. So this is what he does, right? And he renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He then pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all the commands, the laws and decrees with all of his heart and his soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. So there was a, a, a powerful moment where the word of God brought repentance. It shed light on what was wrong in their lives. That's why the word is so powerful. And it says in, in, in the Bible, and greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Jesus became the word. He is the word, became flesh, right? So phase one, there's a transformation in our lives. And I want to I want to look at this. Look at the way um, basically, I think at the end of chapter 23 or somewhere. So Josiah, in synopsis, goes throughout all of his kingdom and starts to desecrate all the temples to other gods. The, the outworking of that power went through in his life and he decided to root out all things that did not go in accordance with the word. Things that he knew basically took him out of the covering that God had afforded for his people. So he went and destroyed the temples that were for others, um, etc. So he, he just went on this demolition. It was like, and it was a point of no return. He burnt stuff. It wasn't like he, he took it and then put it away somewhere else so that maybe he could catch it again later. Or it's a comfort zone. You know, imagine if you're on a diet and you, you have your Snickers bar in your fridge and you're like, I don't want to eat that Snickers bar. So you just move it into the cupboard. You're going to eventually eat it in the cupboard because you're going to have a moment of weakness and you're going to go find it. What you should do is throw it out the window, burn it, do something else with it so that you cannot go back to it. And that's what Josiah did. He was like... We need to 
cleanse and purify because the temple of God, our house, has been invaded by foreign idols. And we have to be ruthless. And then we have to consecrate ourselves before God. So then, so that's his, um, uh, this is how they end him. Uh, he basically becomes known as a king like none other because he followed the Lord with his heart, soul, and strength. Unfortunately, after him, the next kings did what was evil on the side of the Lord. So even after he'd consecrated, but what I'm talking about today is your life and my life. We have that choice. Now, the Apostle Paul, if you jump on to 2 Corinthians, um, the end of chapter 6, he starts to talk about the temple of the living God, the importance of consecrating our temple, putting it in an alignment, being ruthless with those things that we need to not just hide or store away in another cupboard, but to burn to the point of no return so that we could be the temples of the living God. Um, so it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? You see the, the clarity here. That's what King Josiah saw. We cannot have wickedness and unrighteousness in our land. So in your life, what are those areas that we know we need to clear up? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? There's no questions here, is there? It's like, there's no gray. There's light and there's dark. How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Like, how can you partner with that which does not live in accordance to the covenant? And what a union can there be between God's temple and idols? Do you see the correlation? Josiah saw this. We cannot have God's temple and have idols in there, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, and this is amazing, God said this. This is the hope that we have. We cleanse and become holy and pure, and that power is what transforms us because this is what God wants. I will live in them and walk among them. Just imagine, do you want the Lord God to live with you and walk with you. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. So separate yourselves from those things which we know are holding us back. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. There is no gray here. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's the foundation right there. God wants our temples to be clear, not so that we're empty, but so that he can live and be with us. So that we can be fully walking as his sons and daughters and him as our father. With that comes all the fullness of life because that's his presence, right? And so then I want to jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I know we're jumping a little bit this morning. But I'm just trying to make a point here about the power that we have. Because in Kings, where we started with Josiah, it's constantly talking about battles. Life is a battle, is it not? Every single day, 
If somebody was to tell you, I never struggle with any battles in life, you can be sure that they're already struggling with a battle in life. Lying. <laughs> Number one, they're battling something. I'm not saying that it'll destroy you, but there's things in life that we will be battling. Now, the Apostle Paul was trying to highlight this, and I want to just read the first uh, five verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And you guys can look this up for yourselves later. Now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. So this is him saying, I'm, I'm trying to appeal with you. Paul had so much opposition. And the majority of it came from religiosity, religious leaders, the Pharisees of his age. We will find opposition if we're living in accordance to the covenant. Right? It says this, Though I realize you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write from afar. So he was saying, my reputation is that I'm timid. You may feel like you're timid today. Who am I to stand up to, and, and say, I'm going to live in accordance with the covenant or say, no longer those things in my life. I'm going to cut them. In fact, I'm going to make a, a public spectacle and burn it. I remember in my own family, um, they burnt the idols that were in their house when they met with Jesus. They said, no longer can we have these idols in my home. They cracked them and bur literally burnt them to make a statement publicly. That's not a timid person, is it? That's the boldness that comes from the Lord. And you can have that. But you see, timidness is not enough for us not to do, not to change, right? We may be timid in ourselves, but in Christ, you are more than a conqueror. Do you see the difference? So he says this, Well, I am begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. What he was targeting here was the, was the motives of the flesh. Religious motives. Human motivations will never enable us to overcome that which holds us back. Religious acts won't be the answer. A hundred prayers a day for prayer's sake, won't save us. Good deeds alone won't save us. That's human religiosity. Those are the, who think we act from human motives, the motivations of the human heart. There's a lot of good deeds. We just saw a program on Netflix called The, uh, the Happiness Diaries or something. The Kindness Diaries. And there's this guy who's traveling around the world uh, living off the kindness of others. What I found fascinating is those that really hit him when he would meet, because he, he, he had no food, he just had this yellow old Volkswagen Beetle, and then he relied on people from Alaska down to like South America somewhere for free food, free fuel, and free accommodation. Just on the kindness of people. It's a fascinating story, a documentary. But the, 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 the ones that really struck him, they would say, well, actually, I'm a believer in Christ. Jesus, and he would be like, there's something so different about you. There was a power in those people that struck him over and over again. And this is what I want to describe today. It's like our human motives can get in the way. I'm just going to do some good works. I'll be a nicer person. And then surely I will overcome this idolatry in my life. Surely I will be freed from this prison that I find myself in. Surely this idols or this, this du du duplicity in my life where I'm kind of on one side of the fence with God and on one side of the fence with the world. If I just kind of do some good acts, I'll be all right. The religious leaders didn't like Paul because he struck it right at the heart. He said, it's 
Not by might nor power, but by the Spirit of God. You cannot earn this. It's by God's grace, but you have to come with a transformed, submitted heart. Like Josiah, he read the word, and look what happened. And this is why the word is our, and that's the truth, right? We are human, but we don't wage war as humans. So he had a reality. You cannot fight the battles in life today with our human ideas, our human abilities, our human religiosity, our human acts. Paul is saying, look, I know you're going to go through battles. I'm not being stupid here. But I'm telling you that we don't fight it and we certainly can't win it if we do it from the human perspective. You see, he says here in verse 4, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. Isn't it really clear? To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Strongholds of human reasoning. Strongholds of human, like, doings. Humans trying. There's a stronghold that we can be trapped in, but what, what he's saying is here, we don't use human weaponry. We have God's mighty weapons. Think about the story of David and Goliath. My wife was just reading to me about the lineage of Goliath and all the other super giants that came after him. David, and when Saul looked at him, said, you need to put on this armor. Human reasoning says you should be dressed up in a certain outfit, look better, get the shiny stuff on, put on the king's clothes, man. That'll solve this giant's problem. David tries it and realizes he's being strangled by it. I can't even move. I'm not who God has called me to be. See, David didn't trust in the outward appearance or outward weapons. He trusted in God. He trusted in who God was. Can you see the, the power difference there? The transformation in our lives comes when we go to the source of power. The transformation came for David when he realized that in essence, the stones that he had were like the truth nuggets that came from God. You and I have those stones ready right here. The truth is what will set us free from strongholds, right? from those areas where we feel trapped. And I'm sure there's folks here today that you may think, man, I do feel kind of trapped in these areas of my life. Let's look at the Word of God, not what humans would use as weapons. Oh, well, what you got to do is take three pills a day of this, drink this much water, this much stuff, and you'll be solved. No, no, no. Like David, he said, I'm sorry, King Saul, for all your good intentions. I cannot use human reasoning to battle that which is not in flesh and blood. We don't wage war like humans do. I have to rely on a power that's much greater than I and you. And it comes from God. The truth has got power. And what will it do? Not only will it um, knock down the strongholds of human reasoning, so like rather than trying to think your way out of a problem, go to the truth. See what the truth says who you are. See what the truth says what you should do. It says here, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So there you go. There's a couple outworkings there. One outcome is that the power will destroy. It's that power I talked about earlier. There's a greater force, but it doesn't come from our minds and it doesn't come from another human's mind. It comes from the truth. It says the truth will set you free, right? 
And then secondly, it says, take every thought captive. Now, where do our thoughts come from? Our flesh. Daily, our flesh wants to fight. So, without even looking at external circumstances, we're already in a battle with our flesh every day. Our minds. It's our flesh, right? We'll try to tell you certain things. You're a failure. You came from this. Or you can't do that. Or you're wrong. Or you're, you're not worthy. You're not loved. You never were loved. You're, you know, all of these thoughts is the battle. That's why he says we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. What are those weapons? The truth, the presence of God, the temple. Remember what God's desire says. He would live among us and us with him. To do that, we have to be like a Josiah, ruthless with those things that are not in the light. So it's a nice notion to think, I want to live in complete freedom today, but it takes a decision like Josiah did. He said, well, if the word has convicted me, now I've got to go throughout my whole kingdom and start to get rid of those things which I know are not in the light. So like Jesus said, I walk in the light, Therefore, when you're walking next to me, you walk in the light. We walk together. I want to live amongst you. I want you to know the fullness of my life. So I want to challenge us today that if there is, a, because you see, a, um, a stronghold is a place where you can, well, I, I actually believe a stronghold can be seen as a negative and a positive. You can also go to a stronghold where you're at peace, you're covered, right? But oftentimes in human nature, we trap ourselves in the strongholds of the flesh. We allow those things to creep in, like it said in, in Kings at the beginning. All these other kings allowed the foreign things in life, the things that don't belong to God, to impact them. And then they took them off a course that God had set, plans to prosper them. They ended up living in areas in their lives that were just given up to idols. It says there, Josiah destroyed all the things that were like, prostituting themselves to, to other foreign gods. And, you know, in essence, they were giving their hearts to other things other than the Lord. So today, if we want to live in complete freedom, then we need to make sure that our house, our temple, our kingdom is purified, is made whole again by cleansing it, by getting rid of those foreign uh, <clears throat> partnerships that we might have. And we all know areas in our life where we know that that's a gray area. Remember, there's no gray. There's only either the lights on or the lights are off, right? You don't turn on a light and you get like medium light. It's like light is either on and it's not. God is saying, look, I want to dwell with you, but I am the light. So when you walk with me, the light will be shone throughout your whole temple. So the areas that I reveal to you today, I'm revealing it because I want to dwell with you. That's the beauty. He's not saying I'm revealing it because I want to chastise you. I want to smash you. I want to make you feel condemned. I want to show you everything that's wrong about you. No. He's saying I want to show you the light so that you would live in the light and live in complete freedom. So that your hope is in me and not in human reasoning. That you won't continue to battle like humans do. I'm trying to show you a way that will empower you to live above and beyond what you could even hope, dream, or imagine. That's the beginnings of that scripture. But it starts in a, in a revelation, a power that's greater than where you're at. And that power transforms you to, to repent, to turn from those things, to cleanse the house, 
and say, God, today I choose to clean my, t- my kingdom and I'm going to let go of those things that maybe I've been holding on to, like that picture of the Snickers bar I said, you know? Whatever that Snickers bar is in your life that you're kind of shifting around the house rather than getting rid of. We all know that, right? I, I, I will, I, well, I'll, you know, I'll deal with that later. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to move it two feet to the left. Maybe I'll give it to my friend to hold on to for me. You've not got rid of it. You know it. God knows it. And Sai Young, like sad. What a shame. You know, because God says, I want you to be, I want to dwell with you. Can you imagine the creator of the heavens and the earth, the source of life wants to dwell in your temple? It's like, man, if, we, if that's all we need. It is beyond what we need. But God says it starts with a transformation in the truth. So that's why, guys, I want, you, I want us today, it's a little bit of a heavier one, I know, on a Friday. But it's a, it's a message of hope. There was not a king like Josiah before or after him. That's what it says about him. Because he followed the Lord with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what it says of Josiah. You can read it in 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. But God wants us to serve him in the same way. So that he could dwell in our land, in our temple. So the answer to any stronghold that we find It says, the gates of hell shall not prevail. So you'll be in a stronghold that's in the king of kings, his kingdom. So when we trust him, nothing can come and touch you. The very gates of hell cannot prevail. When we trust in God for those that follow his covenant, those that hear the word, but then do what it says. There's a difference, right? The other kings knew of the word. Their past and their history showed that. But they ignored it. And what happens? Their temples and their kingdoms were overrun with foreign idolatry, foreign partnerships, things that were not in the light, things that were in the dark, things that totally took him off the path that God had for them. So today is kind of like a cleansing day. Whatever God is showing in your heart, whatever, or you might not even see it as a stronghold. You, you may just be shown by God, this is an area where it's a, it's a struggle. You're in prison, like I described earlier. You feel like you're trapped. It's a constant, you know, like, like a sin that maybe keeps coming back around. I think I've got rid of it, and then I fall in there again. That could be your mind. That could be your action. Whatever it is, God says that the only way to defeat it is not by religious acts, but it's by the power afforded in the truth, and then that will transform and push you by your reaction. And the first thing we do is we repent, and then, like Josiah did, he reestablished his covenant with the Lord. And, say, say, and so today, when we repent because the truth will set us free, we reestablish our covenant with the Lord, and then God dwells with us. That's when we walk in complete freedom. So, in a moment, we'll just pray. And between you and the Lord, whatever area in your life that's either being a stronghold or a struggle, or a repeated struggle that you have, or whatever it is, God says the answer is in his truth. And it starts with a revelation of that truth and a repentance. And then a reigniting of that covenant. Right? He basically says, create in me a clean heart and purify me. So that I may worship you. That's what King David Psalm said, right? So today is a purification process. 
Amen.